Blog Talk Radio. Florence because she is one 
ugly, ugly hurricane. With that being said, I want to welcome each and every one of you to the show. I want to say thank you for joining us tonight. This is not my show. It is your show. You, the listener. You, the guest. And because of all of you, we're well over 200,000 listeners with all the podcasts we're on as well as this show. Ladies and gentlemen, this show's two years old. We're heard in over 200 countries. And it's because of all of y'all. Y'all have supported the show when when my husband has been so sick. And y'all continue to support the show. You continue to bring the guests. My guests keep returning. I absolutely love them. They are all so magnificent. They, they literally almost fight over getting on the show. And, and that's humbling. That That's one of the most humbling experiences I've ever had. And I, I want to thank them because all of you all are so special. And with that, I want to say there's two ways you can get on the show. One, you can come on as a guest, whether you're an artist, a musician, a writer, have a political platform, a religious platform, a passion, a special cause. I don't care. That's why we call it off the chain. It It is your show. It is about all about you when you're on this show. Or if you're rather shy and don't know how to to deal with live radio, which it really is just a conversation between you and I, you can become a sponsor for the show. And no, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not out to get rich because I don't want to get rich. I just want to give you an opportunity to be heard even more. So for $10 a month, that's 30 days, no matter how many shows I do in that month, I will run your ad. I'll either do it in an MP3 format or I'll read it depending on how you send it to me. You can contact me at offthechainradio at yahoo.com or you can contact me on Facebook and find out more. It's really simple. And with that, I want to welcome a brand new sponsor to the show. She has been on this show. She's a a lover. You guys may know Amy Law. She has been on my show. She's a comedian and actor, and she lives in Atlanta. She has a unique outlook on life. She is all damn funny. Most people hide their failures, but Amy wrote a whole book about hers, and she wears it like a coat. It's called The Book of Failures. The book opens with, quote, I have been married for 20 years, not to the same people, but 20 years nonetheless, end quote. The book talks about relationships, how hard it is to blend a family, and just funny failures of everyday life. It's been a Everybody needs more laughter in their lives. Buy it for yourself or for a friend that is going through a hard time. The Book of Failures is available at some Barnes and Noble stores and on Amazon as a paperback ebook, or you can listen to it as an audio version. The Book of Failures by Amy Law. Get it today. And with that being said, if you're into audiobooks, then you need to go to audiobookwormpromotions.com forward slash adopt an audiobook. Looking for a listen? Adopt. Don't shop for your next audiobook favorite. The Adopt an Audiobook program has new releases and audiobooks for every genre. All audiobooks are free to interested reviewers, and that is the key, ladies and gentlemen. You get a free audiobook, but you have to agree to do a review. Simply listen and share your thoughts. That's audiobookwormpromotions.com. Adopt an audiobook. Many of you know Jay Traveler Pelton. She has been on this show. Well, she's released two books back to back. One of them, Kai Dante Strategium, goes like this. People are so happy about the destruction of the anti-fertility virus, they want Kai to run for president. Kai Dante for president indeed. The Oberlins are back and are successful in diverting the virus that are destroying the fertility of the populace, but in return... Sanctuary is attacked, and the family members are scattered to fight radiation sickness alone. Given only a strange point to use, will Kai and Micah, her brother, figure out the puzzle before they all die? Who in the family will survive to destroy the tyrant running the brotherhood? The, the second book she put out is called Clan Falconer's War. It's a fantasy set in the future medieval times after the big war. Lucian thought that as the youngest son of the manor, his future would be as simple as a land-owning farmer who raised good horses and went up to the manor to visit the family for holidays. After all, there were seven brothers older than he with much more entitlement to the inheritance. However, 
through a massacre and magic, his simple acceptance of a quiet life was going to come to a roaring end as he ends up leading the forces of his clan and the kingdom against an evil greater than any wizard he had ever faced. An evil led by his own brothers. Will he, his clan, and Falcon Crest survive the war? Last but not least, Diane Moat. She has a series. It's the Sam Holden series. And Sam Holden, who is our favorite vigilante, is back. The third book in the series has just been released. And Dogbone, Sam's quest to avenge abused animals, is threatened when the FBI comes after her on one side and the commissioner wants her dead on the other. Will Sam's double life be exposed? Will she be able to protect the animals, her friends, and herself? Check out Dog Bones by Diane Moat everywhere ebooks are sold. And if you haven't started the series yet, be sure to begin with Dog Bone. Dog Gone, I can't talk. Be sure to begin with Dog Gone by Diane Moat for free on Amazon. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to get started with our guest tonight. She has been on the show before. Woman is absolutely amazing. She has a new book out. Can't wait to talk about that because I am a child of that era, too. Author Eva Pasco, she retired from a career in elementary education and the midlife restlessness prompted her to rekindle her passion for storytelling by composing fiction that taps into significant issues affecting the lives of women over 40. Yes, ladies, we do get over 40 if we're lucky, and that is the new 20. Her novels in the genre of contemporary women's fiction are distinguished for their character-driven plots, which feature protagonists who plunge the depths of despair and suffer the consequences in their darkest hours prior to seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. In addition to having merited a reader's favorite five-star seal and ATAI finalist badge, an enlightening quiche is a 2017 SIBA nominee for Best Contemporary. In addition to having two written novels, Ms. Pasco has composed over 100 memoirs, as well as numerous essays pertaining to the 60s and feature articles about her native state of Rhode Island, prefaced with Road Red. She also writes a weekly blog related to writing and social marketing. All of her literary works can be viewed on her web pages at Authors Den. Well, Eva, welcome back to the show, my dear friend. Thank you, Yvonne. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's just get caught up. You, like me, have started taking care of your mother um, as a caregiver, even though she is in assisted living and is still semi-independent. But would you agree that that can be a challenge within itself with everything else that you have going on in your life? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, uh, now that things have simmered down a bit, you know, you don't realize, uh, you know, how long it takes to get your energy level back, your motivation, and your general, you know, bearings. That That is true. And, and in the meantime, do you find that sometimes the voices in your head go, okay, you're overwhelmed right now, so we're going to go away for a while. And no matter what you try to do, you can't get them to come back and play with you. That's correct. Uh, many a times I'd say, you know what, I just have to shelve this writing and just focus on one thing. But I can't I can't let it go. I, I understand that. I have four books that I keep looking at and I keep saying, I want to write. But by the time, because my husband is totally disabled now, by the time I, I get him up in the mornings and take care of all of his needs and get him in his chair and get him fed and give him his medicines, I'm exhausted. I don't want to do anything. I barely get this show together. Someday. Oh, no, I, I understand that totally. I've done that, too. I've shelved things because you're just so exhausted. It's mind exhaustion, body exhaustion. It's just overwhelming. That's something. It, it, you have to stop in the middle of it because there's a need that has to be met. And I would not trade my life for anything in the world. But I did have to reprioritize my life. And he is my biggest supporter. He has encouraged me when I wanted to roll down that rabbit hole. And he's even given me ideas for books. And now it's his turn. And knowing that and knowing that, that the characters will still be there when I get back to them. They're not going anywhere. 
Exactly. You do have to reprioritize, and and it's um, you know I feel it's a privilege that I'm able to do this for my mother. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that because so many people say they're such a burden. They're such. Oh no! Well, what they don't understand is they're saying people wipe their butts when they were little. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So and in my mother's for- case, yeah, my mother's case, she read to me probably, you know, when I was a toddler, and I credit her for giving me the love of reading and, you know, the love of language, so I can string words together. So it all goes back to her. Absolutely, and you, and, and I'm sure that your mom has so much history in her mind that she could divulge to you in so much wisdom. I was talking to a guest the other night on the show, and we were talking about you and I now are, are the bridge. We have the elderly on one side of us, and it, we've had have children on the other side of us. Some of us, some of us have small children on the other side of us, and we're the bridge between those two generations, the elderly to give us the wisdom to impart to the younger ones. Exactly. And speaking of little ones, ladies and gentlemen, not only is this woman a wonderful author, writer, she fit into that pool of something that she has more courage than I do, I'm going to tell you. My head is off to her. She taught elementary school. Now, these little fellas have minds that are like steel traps and open baskets at the same time. That would be a fair statement, wouldn't it? Exactly. In fact, I'm fond of saying, you know, you can't scare me. I was a third-grade teacher. (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. And I always refer to the classroom as the trenches. Because you were in the trenches, because that those informative years, they want to know so much. They're, they're trying to learn how to exert their independence, but they still need you. They still need that anchor to hold them down when they try to step off the cliff. Exactly. I had started off as a sixth grade teacher, went to fifth, and then back in uh, the, the day, you know, they did a reapportioning of the district and so forth. So then I went down to third, and all the while I'm thinking, my goodness, how am I going to tailor my approach? But once you got in the trenches, they're just like anybody else, and you, and you don't talk down to them. They're just like we are, only with maybe perhaps a more open mind and I say a lot more humanity. Well, I always call them um, little folks. They're little adults. They are very much. Yes, and and they want to know. If they ask a question, they sincerely want to know the answer. They don't want you to lie to them. They don't want you to whitewash it, but they want it explained in language they understand and can roll around in their head and and come to terms with. Exactly. And they like to do things. They like to be immersed into the lesson, you know, not so much being told, but being able to figure and come to a conclusion themselves. So you can do that through, you know, group interaction. And we did a lot of hands-on. I'll never forget, we had um, stations for paleontology where we actually had them chisel the bones out of plaster of Paris and have them, you know, make some deductions as to what kind of animal they might have come from. And they took it very seriously, as they should and as I I did. Yeah. How neat is that? Because what that does is that, enhances their desire to 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 want to know things to learn how to be able to come to a conclusion logically without someone else telling them what to think how to think when to think and yes. how to how to deal with life situations and love the exploration of the unknown well that's what it's about. It's not about answers that you memorize because content will change over time. It's the processing, the ever growing love of learning and questioning that keeps you going and, and uh, an intelligent human being. And you know what I think of sometimes Eva sadly as as adults not only do we lose that natural desire but we try to squash it in our children 
because it takes up too much of our time to teach them it's okay to be inquisitive because that child might find a cure for cancer or a cure for some other god-awful disease that kills us. That's true. They're the future. They are the future. And when we lose one, we lose that thread that we can never get back. Yeah. On, on another note, after you get through experiencing life with third graders <laughs> and, and learning that, that natural desire to learn and you retired, that desire still burned in you. I'm, I'm, I'm stepping out on a limb here and saying they enhanced your desire to do more, be more, question more, learn more, and then put it on paper to go in a direction that you wanted to go but hadn't. And look where it's gotten you. What an amazing place to be. Thank you. And and part of um, what I did enjoy is teaching them the the aspects of creative writing because it sort of came natural for me, and, and it was so joyful to see some of them develop their own talent. And it was just uh, incredible. And, and to and for them to be able to not only develop their own talent, but to tell their own story and be comfortable in being able to do that without saying, that's not the way it's supposed to be, because it was their story. That's right, right. In fact, they knew that because we would all, you know, sit, sit around and exchange our stories and offer you know, uh, a bit of praise, something uplifting. And and that was, um, you know, just part of the growth process, too. I wish I'd have had you in third grade. I'd have been publishing in my 20s instead of my <laughs> 50s. Well, I also I'm... published in my 50s, too. So, <laughs> But I was told I couldn't do it. I wasn't smart enough. But it was, but they always wanted to change my story. <laughs> my story was, oh. <laughs> it always took me off. It was my story. I wrote it. That's right. You can never, even today, when you when someone's editing a story, you can't take away a person's voice. No, and and that it's so wrong to do that. You have a um a saying, and I love it. And I'm going to throw it out right here since we're talking about voices. Ladies and gentlemen, this beautiful woman lives in Rhode Island. I've never been to Rhode Island, and I would love to go because it has beautiful beaches, and it's just a beautiful part of the country. And this is what Eva says. She says, because she she rides through beach roads, on the road, as in life, I accelerate. Yes, that's my saying. (laughs) I love it. Explain it. Well, I enjoy driving. I enjoy road tripping. Um, I, I just love, because I do live along the coast, those drives are very important to me. And so I always say as I, you know, I, I accelerate on the road as in life. When I'm you're, always fast. <laughs> <laughs> when, you're, when you're taking these, these scenic road trips, do you find that, it frees your mind for one thing. It frees your soul for another thing. And it allows the creative juices to come unimpeded because you're just totally relaxed with the world. Oh, I, I agree. And I have to stop myself because I said, my goodness, I'm going to be like Mr. Magoo. Because if I start thinking along the lines of writing and filling in gaps, I don't know how I've gotten from point A to B. And I said, I've got to stop this. <laughs> Better I just focus on the scenery and, you know, dwell on that. Never mind, you know, a lot lot of cognition. (laughs) But it's so much fun because some of the, I'm sure some of your greatest ideas come to you while you're driving along the coast. Yes, while I'm driving, while I'm away from the keyboard, actually. And I'll say, my goodness, why why didn't that come to me when I sat down? (laughs) Because you're so focused on putting words to, to the keyboard that the brain gets on overload and, and you just can't think unimpeded. Right, right. Now, <laughs> you also um, also say that brash talk is so important. Now, explain that to some of our listeners because I'm sure there's some people out there going, what is she talking about? I know what you're talking about. 
You mean oh, what you tra- say and say what you mean. Yeah, trash talk. Okay. Trash talk. All right, about trash talk. Um, well, you know how people just just uh, say things, and, and do they really mean it? And I also say, you know, are you talking, are you walking the walk, or just talking the talk? Yep. And a to lot me, of people authenticity. Just... I like integrity and authenticity in people. So do I. And and a, a lot of people can talk a good game, but when you put mm-hmm. them out there on the field. They can't play worth the flip. They don't even know the game, much less, much less the rules of the game. Right. And I also think, you know, some people should keep their opinions to themselves. We're all entitled <laughs> to ours, but don't impose pose them as if they're the right way. <laughs> and if you're going to express, if, if one is going to express an opinion, one must learn to do it with savoir-faire and class and sophistication and and leave the other person with a shred of dignity. Yes, to because feel people have feelings. Yes, and feel free to respond in kind without all of the bashing over the head. This is my opinion, and you're going to take it as your own. You're welcome right, to your because, opinion as long as it's mine. Yes. We, we all pivot from different directions, so we've got to respect that. And and I love discourse. I love debate. I love other people's opinions because, number one, it makes me think. It makes you get another me perspective, re- yes. Yes. I might not agree, but it makes me think about it. Exactly. And then you I get might another perspective. My, it, you know, my perfect sense. In your writings, because in your, in, your, in your books, you write about flawed women. Yes. And knowing you like I do, I have a feeling that that comes across in your in your character with your characters in your book that that even with the flawed women, they not only talk the talk, they walk the walk. Yes, and I feel um very satisfied satisfied and gratified that many readers have said they feel as if they know my characters. And some one person, one reader even said she began to care for one of the characters, even though she didn't like her. So that was good. <laughs> that means that that character's real. I love it. That that well, that says you know, a we're, lot. We're to all me flawed. Every one of us is a flawed individual. So, you know, well, why not let that translate to book characters that you know stick to your ribs after the book is closed? And and Eva, I agree because in so many books that I have read in my 67 years, because I started reading before I went to school at five, six years old. I started reading at five years old, so let's say 62 years. Every book that I read, including the fairy tales, every book that I read, every character was perfect. The 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 bad character, the good character, the in between character, they had no flaws. They were all perfect. And I'm oh, thinking, the black and white, a, yeah. Yeah, there's the, the, no, this isn't real world. We all have strengths and weaknesses and flaws. Why can't we write about them? Exactly. You also write something that I found on my deep dive review, which I agree with wholeheartedly. And, and ladies and gentlemen, for you all that are out there and you're listening to this show and you've listened to my other shows, and I talk about making your dreams real and I talk about... Don't be afraid to live your dreams. Eva writes something on her blog page that resonates very well with me. Because when I read it, I thought of my brother. And he's had to work to make his dream. I mean, really work. Because not only is he challenged, mm-hmm. But he he wasn't even supposed to do what he did. So what you say, Eva, is fulfilling a dream requires work. It sure does. Explain, explain that to our audience. Well, for me, coming from, because I, I write, so it's coming from that perspective. Um, it doesn't, I'm not going to say it comes easy for me. I mean, I do have a natural flow with words I feel, and I, 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 I see where my story is going to go. But I'm so anal in trying, and I'm not perfect, but it doesn't stop me from trying to be. So, you know, my output each day might be 100 to 200 words, which is kind of laughable 
some authors are so you know prolific they might be writing five to seven thousand words a day but that wouldn't be my output like today i did about 200 and i said oh well this was good i feel i nailed this (laughs) so everybody's self-satisfaction is different everybody's output is different but it's still working hard and you i think i read something that you you tend to do what i do as i'm writing my books I find myself going back and re-scripting and editing and rethinking the storyline and the character's depth and the character's three-dimensional and even some conversations. And I, I, I can't help myself. I think it's, it's, I don't know. I think we just make it more fleshed. It comes out better in the end to me. That's how I work. Everybody works differently, but that's how I have to do it or I don't feel right. Yeah, I can't go forward until I go back and because it starts gnatting. It's like a little worm in my head that starts niggling at the back of my brain, and it will just irritate the daylights out of me until I go back and fix it. Yeah, I'll know when something's not right. I'm going, oh, I better leave it because it doesn't sound right because it doesn't have the right flow. It doesn't. I'm not sure the reader's going to understand what I mean. So it's got to it's got to resonate or it's not good. I'm not going forward. Can we just keep going back and refresh it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, three steps back. <laughs> One step forward. forward, three steps. Yeah. It's a wonder we get through with anything, but that's okay. Oh. We do it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Takes me a long time. But it's so worth it in the end. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Austin. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, author Eva Pasco. And we are going to talk about some one of Eva's passions when we come back we're going to pay a few bills and we will be right back shortly Horses See Ghosts a new poetry book by Gannot Wise it's been called Poetry for the Rest of Us Amazon Do you have cougars on your porch swing? (coughs) Are horses your new best friend? Do your nicest shoes get buried knee-deep in snow as your toes turn blue? Are you bothered by wolves at your woodpile? No, not that kind of wolf. Join wildlife artist and author Nancy Quinn and her family as they discover an exciting new life in Go West, Young Woman, a true Montana adventure. Available online and in bookstores. Or visit QuinnWildlifeArt.com for a personalized signed copy. Critics agree. It's a hoot. A struggling city, its beloved baseball team, an antique camera, and photos from that camera that bear an image from the pit of hell, an entity only a select few can see. Journalism professor Buddy Cullen is determined to track this demon down. But who is the hunter and who is the prey? And who will be the next target of mankind's mortal foe? Mortal Foe. Available at Amazon.com. The year, 1888. The place, London's East End. Dead and mutilated bodies are popping up all over, from Stamford to Whitechapel. Jack the Ripper is leaving his mark, and the city's on edge. Yvonne Mason is back with a tale of murder and millinery. The Rhodes Hat Factory is booming while the body count rises. Why now? How are these hats connected? Has the Hatter gone mad? Mad Hatter from Yvonne Mason. Available now on Amazon.com. And we are back. This is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Eva Mason, with my guest, author, Eva Pasco. And before we get back to Miss Eva, I want to let you guys know that in January, starting the first Wednesday of every month, um, we will be adding a new wrinkle to Off the Chain. We're adding a show called News from the Mountain. And my friend Nancy Quinn, who you heard the ad for her book, will be basically running that particular show. She will be bringing us news from the mountain. I'm just going to let her have it. I'm going to sit back and be a co-host. And because she lives in, in a beautiful state of Montana. 
there's always something going on. It's it's very rugged up there. There's there's very few people that live in that state, and she literally lives on a mountain, and there's always, always something going on. So watch for that news from the mountain with um, author Nancy Quinn. The first Wednesday in January, we'll do that. The first Wednesday of the month from here on out. Clifton Pettyjohn, who has also been on this show, is going to start doing a new show with me. We're still working out the details on that. That will be on the last Friday of the month, so stay tuned for that. That will also begin in January, so stay tuned with that. Now, we are back with author Eva Pascoe, and we've been having a wonderful conversation. But before we talk about her new book, I also found out something about her that I found very interesting, and I really think that she should use this in one of her books. You you are, quote, unquote, a fragrance floozy. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tell My me about My first book this. was about that. Well, I've always, since I was little, been fascinated I would be the type of person that went into my mother's bedroom and, you know, investigated and sniffed from the atomizer. In fact, probably broke it and uh, still remember the scents from back then. And I, for years, have always, you know, dabbled in fragrances. It's a rather expensive hobby. You know, I think I'm searching for the Holy Grail. But anyway, (laughs) it became fodder for the first book I wrote, Underlying Notes. And what is that story about? I, I just, I love it. It's probably the most autobiographical book I'd written. It's about a woman who um, comes to terms. She undergoes a midlife renaissance, and the fragrance propels her journey. She ends up being in this um, online fragrance uh, forum, which I had, and somehow it just leads her to some self-fulfillment. And she also, and I said the the, um, ominous note, Rose Note in Paloma Picasso forces her to confront her past, and it does, by the way, the uh, plot twists and turns of the story uh, go. So it's all in there. See, ladies and gentlemen, you never know. This is why I tell my guests that what we sell is not the brand. We are the brand because we take real-life things that happened in our life and sometimes continually happen to – bring to the forefront for entertainment, educational purposes, and just plain fun for you, the reader. So who knew? The lovely Eva Pasco is a fragrance floozy. Mm. (laughs) In fact, I I was shocked. When the book was first published, I got a call from Time Magazine. A reporter actually interviewed me, and I'm the opening line in the article about, um, you know, sense and sort of like sense and sensibility. I couldn't believe it. So that was that wow. was fascinating. Yeah, that was my five minutes of fame. <laughs> Listen to you. I have to find that article and read it for myself. Now, for folks that that don't know, Eva and I are both children of the infamous '60s. I was born in '51. So I I became a teenager in 1963. I turned 12, 13 years old. I graduated high school in 68. So we are a product of the age of Aquarius. That's what they said it was, the age of Aquarius. It was the time of Vietnam. And God love our servicemen and women that suffered through that war and then came home to being spit upon and called baby killers and being insulted and downgraded. They didn't ask for that. So God loved them for their service. We were the children of a new age of music, of thought processes, of independence, of as they like to say, drug, sex, and rock and roll. And one of the, the things from that era was mushrooms. Don't ask me why, but it was. So you wrote a book called 100 Wild Mushrooms, Memoirs of the 60s. Please expound on that. Okay, and the book really mushroomed because when I wrote the first book about fragrance, back then, about 10 years ago, 
you know, we, we really didn't know about acquiring reviews and everything. The thing at that time was to get your book at as many sites as you could that were related to the topics of your book. And because my book did broach upon the 60s a little bit, I said, well, let me, you know, see if I can submit a story or article to the 60s official site. And I did. I wrote my first memoir called A Mini Tribute to Twiggy. And it was based on something that, that happened to me. Uh, the webmaster there um, invited me to write more. So to keep up the web page, to keep up the momentum, I ended up writing 100 of them. Now, not all of them are in this book, uh, give or take a few, because I've added some and taken some out, but every single one had been edited and uh, prioritized according to you know the way I felt they should be organized. And And what does... What is the premise of the book? Now, you and I both know because we lived it. But for the younger generation that goes, what are they talking about? The 60s weren't that great. Oh, yes, they were. Yeah, I said, you know, in the preface of the book, I mentioned, all right, while the, the counterculture was going around, you know, and beyond my sister and I, you know, we still did our homework. We still rode our bikes, you know, read our comic books ate our candy, watched TV, and so forth. Life went on, you know, despite some of the scares. I do remember those silly, you know, duck and cover drills, do you? Where we uh-huh. actually thought oh, yeah. our desk, our rickety desk, would <laughs> save us from nuclear, nuclear holocaust. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that that was really. Uh, we went out into the hallway and put our faces up against the wall and put our hands over our heads, like that was really going to save us from being blown apart. I know that was, um, you know, we bought into it. Well, they all always have those propaganda films, and I guess they led us to believe that would help us. One, one, there's two two important days that I remember. Well, three. One, one, the first important day that I remember is when we landed on the moon. Yes. Then when Nikita Khrushchev stood up and told the entire world, now I was a kid, he stood up and told the entire world that Russia or the USSR, which is the United Soviet Socialist Republic, would take over the United States without ever firing a shot. He said we would bury you, and he banged his shoe on the podium. Yeah, that I remember. I, I remember that. It to this day, I can see him do that in my mind. I also remember the day that Kennedy was shot. Yeah. I was sitting in seventh grade, and they used to bring the TVs in for us to watch these educational channels. Well, the, the teacher brought the television in. We're going. It's it's not our day. What's going on? And they turned it on, and Kennedy had been shot. That was the beginning of almost 24-7 news coverage of the assassination of a president that lasted forever. Yeah, that stuck so vividly in my mind that one of my memoirs actually chronicled what I happened to be doing that day from, you know, the moment we heard the announcement on the PA until the bus ride home. Because during the bus ride home, he actually passed away, and I remember the bus driver pulling over, and the the bus driver the bus scraped the windows of the branch uh, the wind the branches of uh, scraped the windows because it's a rural road, and we all said a prayer for President Kennedy. I'll I'll just never forget it. And as 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 the time progressed, now now ladies and gentlemen, Elvis came into his own in the mid to late 50s. But by the time early 60s hit, he was already known as the king of rock and roll. And then the Beatles hit. Mm -hmm. And that was in between the Platters and the Righteous Brothers and, and all those other wonderful bands. Then after the Beatles hit... That's when LSD and and the mushrooms, the wild mushrooms and pot all came to the forefront. (laughs) And you get the artists like Janis Joplin and and CCR, better known as Credence Clearwater Revival. All of that music started pouring out and it was storytelling on a different level. There was a lot of um, peace, make peace, not War, love, don't hate, um, 
join hands and sing Kumbaya. And in the midst of all of that, Vietnam reared her ugly head, which was after Korea. We went right out of Korea into Vietnam, but I was too young to even understand what was going on until later. Me too, right. Then we get to Vietnam, full-blown Vietnam. I was in high school then. Boys are signing up, dropping out of school, signing up to keep from being drafted. They just go sign up. And the mainstream songs of that day for Vietnam was Credence Clearwater Revival, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix. And those songs still are played today whenever there is a documentary or a movie about Vietnam. You're right, yeah. As as you moved through those years, thinking back now, how did they affect you? You know, I'm thinking that at the time, I was so preoccupied with being a good student because in 1969, I had to, you know, get ready for college. I was going to, you know, take up courses to, to be an educator. I think I was so caught up in that. I think in retrospect now, when I put all the memoirs together and, and, and reflecting upon, my, you know, family life, I feel that today I'm more in tune with the 60s ideals than I might have been then living through them. You know, you're probably right because I just I was just sitting here thinking, I can't remember when Kent State had that big massacre um, with the protest and the kids getting killed. But that came on the heels of, of Vietnam and everything else that had gone on. It led up to that disaster. Yes, and, and see, it affected me again because it was my core study. We had to make a decision, um, you know, do you take an early leave from from the year? Do you take the exam? So it was all caught up in, in that, having to, you know, prep. What, what am I going to do based on that decision? But it was all based on the, the response to the Kent State. You know, even when I think about it, the, the millennials, and the kids of, of this generation have no idea what we grew up with. They have much more freedom. They have many more quote-unquote things. They have more advantages. And we, our generation blazed that trail for them. And there was a lot of sacrifices made, a lot of lives, a lot of, a lot of, yes. Yes. And they don't appreciate, and I don't say all of them. Some of them don't appreciate the history of the sixties. Just think back to the air. Yeah. The airline stewardesses alone, look how it was kind of a sexist job and they were so discriminated against. And look where we've come today. Of course it took, you know, women at the forefront to, to, to make some of these changes. Yes, absolutely. And it took, it took courage in the face of adversity. Um, Okay. Now we have, for instance, we have a non-hostile work environment law. When I was in corporate America as a young woman, that was an accepted practice. You didn't Mm -hmm. dare bucket. And women were too afraid to lose their jobs because if they did bucket, they'd just fire you. They don't care. Here's your word against theirs. Yeah, there was no recourse. No. And so... I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this this group of kids owes us a vote of thanks. <laughs> they would still be in the dark ages. Well, the 60s, you know, were a force to be reckoned with. I mean, thank goodness we have those people who went out on a limb. And that includes those people who gave their lives in the Vietnam War. They didn't have a say. Exactly. They didn't. It, the draft was prevalent. You turned 18, you either went in service or you were drafted in the Army or you picked 
the branch or you went to college. And just because you went to college didn't mean you were exempt either. Because if you no. dropped out of college or got bad grades, guess what? Uncle Sam came knocking on your door. Right. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are taking a trip down memory lane. The 60s were enlightening. They were educational. They were exploratory because we were the children of we were the children of post-World War II. I I would venture to say that many, many of us grew up not poor but not rich. We grew up in a different era. My my mother and daddy grew up poor. I grew up poor. But I learned so much. I, I am grateful for those years as I get older because it taught me it's okay to be who I am. Right. I learned acceptance, I believe, during my childhood because our neighborhood, our post-World War II neighborhood, ended up having um, a German soldier who had actually served um, the, the, you know, the Nazi regime. He became one of the neighbors and a Japanese war bride. Now, they assimilated our culture, and I remember my mother always baking a cake before we went visiting to welcome these neighbors into the neighborhood. So, you know, you got to learn the different cultures and how these people try to, you know, become truly uh, Americans. And and they they didn't know how they were going to be accepted. That And I'm sure that Nazi soldier was, was pushed into service. I'm sure he didn't right, want to become a right. Nazi soldier no, and no. live with regret. The, the Japanese war bride, she left a country a totally different in culture and ethnicity to come to a strange land, and we just got through killing them all over there. I mean, exactly. Yeah, you're right. So yeah, I agree. The '60s taught us tolerance. It taught us acceptability. It taught us kindness. In a way that, well, some of us, except for those that treated our servicemen and women, yeah, I, I have yeah. a hard time getting past that one. Yeah. But it, it, it taught us that war is for politicians and generals. Um, it sure is. Because things have changed now, and, and so many lost their lives for that idea, ideology. Exactly. And and it wasn't even our war to begin with. Those, that country no. have been fighting each mm-hmm. other for centuries. The French couldn't beat them. Who, why did we think we could? We'd never fought a guerrilla warfare before. No. And they had no rules. So, so yes, ladies and gentlemen, go back and, and study the 1960s and read Eva's book. 100 Wild Mushrooms, Memoirs of the 1960s, because you will get an education like no other. We were the women that said, if we don't want to get married, we don't have to. I've right, always said education, education is the best tool a woman can have for empowerment. Absolutely. She will have the means to take care of herself and will not, you know, be prone to put herself in harm's way because she's got no other choice. I've always believed in that. So, ladies and gentlemen, absolutely read her book, 100 Wild Mushrooms, Memoirs of the 60s. Now, you also did an anthology of adult fairy tales. Yes, and I'd like to give a shout-out to my fellow collaborators, Aaliyah Del Rey, Renee Gauthier, Lara Shante, Jeannie J.B. Richards, and Joanne Van Leerdem. Um, they're fabulous authors who are part of this anthology. And what is and this it anthology? Won, it just actually won um, an official selection in the 2018 Summer Book Awards for New Apple Literary Services, so we're very proud of that. Wow. And it's adult fairy tales? Yes. Some of them are reimagined and uh, others are just, you know, brand new. But they're all very unique and creative. And with that in mind, since we are getting to the end of our hour, if you can believe it. I can't. It just went by so fast. Thanks (laughs) to you. You're you're fascinating. (laughs) 
Now you are. I can sit and listen to you talk for hours. Tell the folks, my dear friend, where you can be found and where your books can be found. Amazon is probably the easiest place to find them. And the website that you mentioned on Author's Den, all you have to do is go to Author's Den and look up Eva Pasco. You'll see uh, the books there with the links to Amazon. Rather simple. And they can also find you on Facebook, right? Yes, I don't have an author page per se, but I am, you know, there. And and she's fascinating. She she also did um the 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 the, the quiche book. What was the name of that one? Oh yeah, an enlightening quiche. And that has since won six awards that I'm proud of. So uh, when we first um, talked about it, yes, it was a nominee, but then it ended up winning first place. So I'm very proud of that. I am so proud of you. Thank you. Well, well, we authors need to support each other and be proud Absolutely. of uh, all of our accomplishments. Ladies and gentlemen, y'all have to go check her out. She is one amazing human being, author, person, teacher. I would have given anything for her to be my third grade teacher. Eva Pesco. Eva, don't hang up when, when we get off the, the air, but I do want to thank you for spending an hour with me and taking time out of your day. It's, and will you come back? I'd love to, and I want to thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. You are quite welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, we will be off tomorrow night. Um, I cut back this week a little bit because my husband is not doing well, and so I'm trying to spend a little bit more time with him. He is my top priority. I don't know what I would do without him. But we will be back Saturday night with a new uh, guest. His name is Alexander Lowry, and he is a financial wizard. So you will want to, yes, this is a, a departure from from our authors, but he'll be well worth it. I want to, and we will start up fresh again next week with a whole new cast of characters. And I want to thank each and every one of you for joining us this evening, and Eva for taking a time out of her day because time is, is precious to all of us. And as you all know, there's a couple of things that I say at the end of every show, and, and ho- I hope that I live up to my own expectations. I know I fail miserably sometimes because I am flawed, and as Eva says, we are all flawed, but that doesn't make us bad people. But when you're out and about, understand this. People will forget what you look like. They'll forget your name. They'll even forget what you're wearing, but they will never, ever, ever forget how you've made them feel. And we're all on a journey and some days, just a a kind word, a warm smile, a quiet touch will not only save someone's life, but make them want to face another sunshine day. It's it's very important that we are kind to people. It, it doesn't cost anything to be kind. And it makes us feel better because we get so much more back in return when that smile is returned. We can walk away with with gratification in our hearts and, and a feel-good moment. And, yes, it's an emotion and it passes, but it still sits there. So be kind to people. Also, if you want to achieve greatness, ladies and gentlemen, please stop asking permission because nobody's going to give it to you. And it's like Eva said, living a dream or fulfilling a dream is work. Don't ever let anyone your dream. Work at it. Encourage your children. Be Eva as a third grade teacher. Encourage your children that no matter what it is they want to do, they can do it. It's just a matter of giving them their wings and teaching them to fly and then being there on the ground when they fall down so you can help them get back up and fly again. Because as Eva says, The children are our future, and without them, we have no future. So with that being said, I want to thank you all again for joining myself, Yvonne Mason, here at Off the Chain with my guest, the lovely, lovely author, Eva Pasco. Go and get her book, 100 Wild Mushrooms, Memoirs of the 1960s, her anthology of adult fairy tales, her other book that talks about her fragrance floozy business and with (laughs) everything else find her because you will love her writing she's wonderful we will see you all again Wednesday night 
share the show. Um, tell other folks about it. If you want to be a guest on the show, contact me. If you want to run an ad, contact me. We will see you all Wednesday night here at Off the Chain. I am your host, Yvonne Mason, with the lovely author, Eva Pasco. And until Wednesday night, we say good night. Okay, so what I will do now, Miss Eva, just like last mm-hmm. time, when the show goes up into archives, I will put the link up on my page and tag you in it. And then tomorrow... Okay. I will tag you in all the podcasts that I put up. I don't know if you know it, but we're on Reverb Nation now. We're on iHeartRadio on two podcasts on iHeartRadio, Southern Chats with Yvonne Mason Plus off the chain. We're on FM.com, iTunes, YouTube, TuneIn Radio, um, iHeartRadio, Podcast.com, Podcast Garden, SoundCloud, Mixcloud and Spreaker and some other oddball stuff that I don't put it up on somebody else does. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So you're heard all over the world, my friend, in uh, places I never even heard of. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, a, it's my pleasure, and it'll be my pleasure to promote uh, what we just did too. Okay, and I will I will get you back on after the first of the year because I know you're going to have another book out by then. Well, I hope so, or I'll be able to talk about it. That's for sure. <laughs> okay. And other stuff. Thanks. And other stuff. Absolutely, because we got to revisit the 60s again. I'm telling Excellent. you. We just gotta, okay, gotta that was revisit. fun. All right, Thank Donna, you so much, Yvonne, and I hope your husband does okay. He will. It's, we're on the backside of his journey, but we just take every day and, right. and run with it like it's the last well, one. Many blessings to both of you. Thank you, my darling. And, and give your mom a big fat hug from me and tell her it's from I a total will. stranger, but she needs a hug. All right. Thank you so much, Yvonne. All right, sweetheart. Talk to you later. Yep. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.